0: Academy episode 35.
1: I want to celebrate. As an industry, we need to keep, uh, keep supporting top-tier suppliers like that. If, if we're going to elevate the level of our, our industry as, as service providers.
0: Welcome automotive aftermarketers to a remarkable results radio town hall academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode
2: on your journey to remarkable results.
0: Hey, welcome automotive aftermarket professionals to the Town Hall Academy, episode 35. You know, loyalty is an important discussion for any business. You work hard every minute of the day to create the right culture to permeate customer loyalty in your service business. Now, I do believe that the supplier network works very hard to build loyalty from the service professional, and we're going to talk about that in this Academy episode. Carm Capriato here thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Town Hall Academy. Jasper has over 2,000 associates, three manufacturing facilities, two distribution centers, and 45 branch offices across the country. They're all working to produce, transport, and deliver the perfect product. Now, that's what they do best, keep customers happy. Joining me for this important discussion on supplier loyalty is Bill Nalu from Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan, John Bridgewater from Wright's Automotive Service in San Leandro, California, and John Epstein from John's Automotive in San Diego. Now, today's podcast has a sister video. If you'd want to see the discussion in action, you can find it at remarkableresults.biz slash a035. Now, there you can view the Academy as it unfolded. You will also find extended bios on my guests and links to their previous episodes. Also on the show notes page, find an important part of the academy. Yeah, a compilation of the key talking points already done for you. In a recent survey of my listeners, they told me that besides the typical places they would listen to the podcast, like in their vehicle or at work, they also said in the shower, mowing the grass, walking the dog on vacation on the beach, and even sewing. Hey, thanks for listening in all your right places. Now, no matter where you find the time for the education, I thank you for engaging in the Aftermarket's Premier podcast. Honored to have you partake in this huge content library. Hey, now listen to Supplier Loyalty, the service professional's perspective. Joining me, Bill Nalu, John Bridgewater, and John Epstein. Here we go, and enjoy. I read Simon Sinek. You know, the, the book on why he says loyalty is when people are willing to turn down a better product or a better price to continue doing business with you. Loyal customers often don't even bother to research the competition or entertain other options. Isn't that interesting? His definition of loyalty. And yet loyalty, he says, is not easily won. Repeat business, he says, is easily won. And it all and all it takes is more manipulations. Now put that in the back of your mind as a thought. He talks about manipulations that lead to transactions, not loyalty. It's like a reward or a trip. Non-manipulating deep loyalty, I believe, has value. Someone that is not trying to pull your buttons, but you know, you're working together in a partnership. So I want this to be an episode where aftermarket leaders from all aspects of the industry will want to watch this over and over again to understand what it takes to provide an offering that creates loyalty among their customers in a world where loyalty is so hard to find anymore what will it take to maintain the certain loyalty levels that uh, are uh, there, that are out there are you hearing from your suppliers do you know any corporate leadership do you know the local parts store's owner the district manager if you're in a big corporate you know if you buy from a big corporation do they listen to you Ooh, you may talk, but do they actually listen? What do they want to do for you? Are their business models changing that's going to affect your trust and potential relationship? Have you ever been part of your supplier's customer executive councils, where your supplier listens to you and shares their plans and strategies for keeping you strong? and a profitable business. So these are all important guideposts that I've just discussed um, to to try to measure loyalty and relationships. So let's get in it, guys. I know you've got an awful lot of great things to say. Let me start with you, Bill. People buy from people they like. Is that true?
1: You know, I I guess my jumping off point into this episode today is, you know, this couldn't have come at a better time. You know, I'm on the end of, I just completed a two-week trek sort of uh, two weeks ago, I was at my ATI training, uh, my 20 group in Illinois, and then we r- wrapped it up in, in Grand Rapids and AutoWears, our wholesale distributor, uh, had a, a meeting uh, and basically wanting to elicit sort of where we are, where we're going. Wow. And then last week was uh, the dealer advisory council uh, for Value Bumper to Bumper. And man, oh man, let me tell you here, I am happy to report. I have got the best relationship with my supplier. I couldn't be happier at where we are today and where we are going at, as, a, as a distributor uh, and as an industry. And so this is sort of where I guess where we're headed this in the next, next hour. Um, hopefully they're listening and they understand uh, that we appreciate them and uh, just as much as they appreciate us. How, funny how that is. The more you appreciate your customer, the more that customer appreciates you.
0: What's more price uh, proof than that? so you're really going to be hot on the edge of some stuff i I know there's a lot of things maybe you can't tell us, Bill, but maybe you can give us the pulse of how a distributor like you buy from and then their program group is looking at connecting and communicating with you to to, to keep you successful now that doesn't necessarily give uh, buy you loyalty. But it sure does um, uh, bring bridge the communication gap, doesn't it, in, in your needs?
1: Yeah. Carm, what secrets are there really when you think about this? This is about customer service. This is about the facilitation of providing the customer with what they, what they say they want and perhaps some of the things that they don't even realize they need yet. The ones that are going to stick around, whether they're shop owners or suppliers, Understand that this is communication that has to happen. Honest to goodness communication. I may hurt your feelings in the process or you may hit my feelings in the process. But what we get out of this is this collaboration that can only happen through that rub that happens between that supplier and that and that customer.
0: Got it. Well, thank you. You just mentioned a a great word relationships. Uh, Mr. Bridgewater, relationships important?
2: Oh, yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, I like buying from the people who I get along with. We go out to lunch frequently, uh, things like that. However, that being said, I also look for the quality of the parts and the brand name of the parts that I want first, then the relationship.
0: Got it. So quality first, and then the relationship. Tell me a little bit, John, about the extended relationship, the people on the counters today. Are people in the distributor organizations that you buy from important? Are they going away? Are, are, are we losing some of our brain trust?
2: That's a tough
0: one. I think um,
2: the counter people in the businesses I choose to do business with are still going to be there for a long time. Uh, I also think we have a huge online presence coming where it becomes completely impersonal. So I personally strive to keep those personal relationships as long as I can because I want to support my local suppliers.
0: Well, wow, that's that's so interesting. Yes, as soon as online started to happen, I mean, there, there was maybe some cost justification in the number of people that you need. But ultimately, how often do you need to pick up the phone, John uh, Bridgewater? And there's two Johns here, so I have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> um, how often do you have to pick up the phone and talk to a human, an important service parts professional person?
2: Frankly, I hope as little as possible because I want my computer system to work so I can order quickly and efficiently. However, I also want that person to be there and available when I need them so that when I need to make that phone call,
0: I can. And you told your supplier, listen, you got to have backup for me. Yes. And they, and they know this.
2: Yeah, and they're really good about it. Uh, my, my primary calls, my first calls, they're always responsive for me.
0: John uh, Epstein, tell me the reasons you buy from your supplier.
3: You know, part of it comes from just learning, the, you know, who the distributors are out there. And then you kind of build a relationship as you go. Um, I've had the same first call pretty much my entire career. So um, when I was younger, I I had some different, you know, different people I called first, but it uh, changed pretty quickly. And I think the biggest reason was the people you know, at the end of the day, back then that was when I had a 50 foot long cord on my phone and I would go dial the number. I'd walk back over to the car and I'd spend, you know, however long on the phone. And, um, you know, back in those days, you definitely built a more of a relationship with your, your counter guys. Um, you know, like John was saying, now it's almost everything we order is online. So the only time we talk to somebody is when, uh, we can't find something which is very rare, or they will call to say, "Hey, we got to get this from another location. It'll be an hour, it'll be half an hour." Um, we never like getting those calls. However, we like it even less when we don't get those calls to tell us what's going on. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very important part. So.
0: Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Brian, why Jasper Engines and Transmissions?
3: So I think. Jasper, the reason why we uh, chose to deal primarily with Jasper is uh, the quality of the product and the people. I know that it is uh, an associate-owned company, but it's more about the people. They do what they do uh, in this industry that is tough, and they stay on top of the cutting-edge engineering, changing and maybe developing
0: ways around uh, known problems and issues. So they're adding value. They're making things better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, They're taking a situation
3: that you may have a common failure with and going in, taking it apart, going through the engineering, the R&D department, saying, "Okay, how can we make this better? And then from that standpoint, it comes to us that at the end of the day, the end user gets much more value for the dollar that they spend.
0: Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. So, guys, where's Warranty. Come into the the reason you'd pick and, and have loyalty to a supplier is it important today? yeah, yeah, there's yeah. guys out there that are funding their own warranties. It seems you know they're really extending, and I've asked them in the podcast, so how are you covering the gap, and they say, well, we're doing it ourselves because we're looking to have something bigger, better um, and, and uh how are your suppliers stepping to the plate in helping you cover warranty?
1: I think warranty is going to continue to be um, a situation where you're we're sort of, I think suppliers are looking at each other and saying, well, I will I'll raise mine when you raise yours. And, and that's sort of the industry, sort of any of us, I don't know if any, if there's anybody else that was in the gas station business, but it was sort of like, <laughs> you know, four, four gas stations, one on each corner. Right. Yeah. And so we're all making about, you know, about nothing on nothing on the gas And what happens is, you know, this guy drops his price because he's doing a promo. What happens is you start dropping your price, and before you know it, you're all chasing each other to bankruptcy court. Mm -hmm. And and why why this goes on? And so, my my appeal to suppliers on warranty is whatever that warranty is going to be. Frankly speaking, they're barely covering, you know, our 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 loaded costs for for our top technician anyway. So it's not a whole heck of a lot to begin with. My appeal is if if I could prove to you. That you take care of a customer, and that customer is worth thirty to fifty thousand dollars over over his or her lifetime. You're going to warranty. And you you might as well just give them free oil changes for the rest of their life, right? We always talk about how much should the price of oil change be, and whatever. If you set your sights on what a lifetime customer is worth to you, who the hell cares <laughs> in the yeah. big picture, really, right? right? You're going to warranty it. You're going to stand behind it. You don't want that customer trading the car in. You want them to see the value of of how you can keep that vehicle for three hundred thousand miles. How you can hand it over to, to Johnny and then Janie, you know, and the third child and fourth child, that vehicle, and it, believe it or not, it has value at 300,000 miles because at that point in time, we train them how to sell that vehicle to somebody, give it away to somebody that is going to take care of it for the next 200,000 miles the way they've taken care of it. Mm-hmm. It's all relationship, man. It's all about the relationship.
0: Okay, Bill, you mentioned earlier auto John, I'm assuming, uh, and I know, I know, absolutely. I know you buy from Napa, and and yeah. there's, there's a lot of reasons. You could just look at his picture, be a CSI investigator, and figure yeah. out from the shirt. <laughs> you can figure out from the shirt that he's a, he's a Napa guy. Think? He's also had some great high honors bestowed upon him That's right. from Napa. Yes, That's they- right. Thank you, yeah. and John. Who's dessert. your John uh, Bridgewater? Who's your supplier?
2: I've got a, a AC Delco and Motocraft WD about a mile and a half away from me that I buy an awful lot of stuff from. Uh, World Pack is also a first call. I've got a local uh, Federated shop that I have like a first and a half call. Um, I used to buy a lot more. And that's kind of dwindled away over the years in preference for OEM level stuff.
0: So, John Bridgewater, you are particular on brand and the parts you use, right?
2: Very, very. Like you were talking about, I do fund my own warranty. So if something fails, that's coming out of my pocket. So I'm going to use the top end parts right up front so I don't have that problem.
0: Got it. Uh, Does it matter to your customer or matter to you and your techs? It probably matters more to
2: us than it does to them, so long as they know that their car is fixed right the first time.
0: Yeah. You know, when when you're at your counters, gentlemen, and you're you're selling a job, because you would be using a brand name, does it matter to the customer at all?
3: Very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. Most of the time, all they're concerned with is picking up their kids at 5 o'clock, you know, they can do the same thing every day and not have to come back for the same problem. So
0: thank you for that, John. And uh, the same with both Bill and and John B.
2: Yeah. The biggest thing is how much does it cost and when will it be done? Not in that order.
0: Okay. So I'm going to ask a question. Considering we're talking about supplier loyalty uh, and let's, can we throw the manufacturers into the supplier mix right now? Uh, And and I'm going to take some liberties to do that um because i i think those relationships are critical at the you know sup, you know at, at the manufacturer supplier relationship and and how it all feeds into the service professional they spend an awful lot of money our our major suppliers i mean i've got two of the biggest brands in the industry that support the podcast and they pour a lot of money in their brands if you had a chance to be on the council, and Bill, you just recently were at Gates. What just last this early this week, I think. Yeah. You know, what would you have a chance to say to Gates? Listen, um, do a little of this, less of this, and do a little bit more of that. So I'll give you a couple of examples. So
1: we, we, they were. I mean, I can't even tell you how generous they are. The amount of money that they spent to get the feedback from these from our us council members it was just uh, amazing. So one of the the suggestions was I'll just give you a quick example. They had a hose. That had a special internal uh, chemical resistance to a um, to diesel uh, oil, and um, and that was deteriorating the OEM uh, application. And so I'm looking at this at this at this hose, and there's no special notation around it. And so one of the suggestions that I made was, what about this thing makes this thing special to me, so that I can recognize it? A number one from another one as a professional, and more importantly. So I can sell that feature to the customer Mm -hmm. and without that. And so here's a supplier reaching out and and it's incumbent on us. If we want to be able to offer that Moog ball joint with a lifetime warranty, as opposed to that ABC one coming out of God knows where with, with a a warranty, but you wouldn't put it on your own vehicle. Then I submit to us that we're going to have to be the, the, the go betweens. We are the ones that translate quality by brand recognition you know, the first time I became a Jasper customer, and, you know, this is a, a – is, is, we had a warranty issue. They sent me the check before the replacement unit had come in. Wow. Talk wow. about making a lifetime customer out wow. of that.
0: Wow. Where do you think yeah. I buy my rebuilt engines? And, you yeah. know, hello? Yeah. That's how you make a lifetime customer. You agree with Bill, guys? Yeah. Service. I do want to talk service here in a moment, but I want to go back to Bill. The, the great question you brought up: What would you say to a, a manufacturer? Uh, to, to you know, they're spending an awful lot of money on building a brand. Could some of that money be put into other areas to help you? Uh, if if the brand doesn't matter to the customer, then what does the brand matter to you? And, and I hear what you say, and so what that prompted me to think about was. And let me go back to all my years in distribution when Moog came out with the Problem Solver Sheets. Every time they come out with a new product, they were telling you how it solved a customer problem. And maybe, and and I know that there's an awful lot of inherent rebuilds, if you will, that they'll take an OE product and they'll say, hey, we're going to make it better. You know, when we say to a customer, it doesn't matter if it was XYZ brand, but Mr. Customer, I happen to know that the reason we use this product is it installs easier, it it, it has better rust corrosion, or in, in this case, it's more resistant to a certain fluid in the car. Do we need to be doing more of that?
1: Absolutely. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. As marketers, this is not a technical problem. This is a marketing problem. And all the suppliers that reach out to us are trying to convince us uh, for better or for worse, that my product is better than the competitor. It has, it's, a, it's a a better value proposition. And I'll just give you this example. So at AutoWears, one of the things that I just, you know, you talk to shop owners all the time. One of the things that I always say is, how many of us here are proud to be the most expensive guy in the neighborhood? And, and interestingly enough, a lot of guys raise their hand like, proudly. And so, and it's a loaded question. And, and so yeah. the, the answer to that is, Why do you believe that you're the most expensive guy in town? I'm the cheapest guy in town. My labor rate is higher, but I'm the cheapest guy in town. I get this done the first time, every time the right way, and I stand behind it like nobody else can. How come we don't market this? How come that's not the cheapest way to do things? And so I say to the suppliers, why aren't we selling a product that is the best quality that you're going to stand behind? that we can put on with confidence that we don't have a problem with. How is
0: that not the cheapest way to do things? Well, you, you open up a can of worms in that discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. we no can, argument. Yeah, we, yeah, you, there's no argument from you guys, but there's an awful lot of argument in, a, uh, in, in other factions of the industry where people are going to tell you why they want the lowest price.
2: And, and, and I was just going to say, we see that every day because what's in stock is the lowest price. They have to custom order the more expensive stuff quite frequently. Which, frankly, is why I don't do business with certain companies.
0: Boy, that brings me to a that brings me to such an important um, a story. Uh, it, it just came to my mind. I, I had not planned to talk about this, but I had a customer once, a service professional, who came up to me and says, "I'm really unhappy with what you guys are doing. Every time I seem to call, you're always quoting me the cheap, 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 cheap. Don't you know what I do?" I need and want the brands, the brands. I love the people that are making great products or making them themselves, the Prime OE, their OES manufacturers and they have a fabulous aftermarket brand. And that really hit me upside the head. That hit me up that because the way the industry was changing to private label uh, and the, the, the influx of everything from, from overseas, I realized why was I forcing my customer to go, <laughs> to always, you know, I, I put people in buckets and I shouldn't have done that. So John I, I Epstein, in, in your case, does does your supply, when, when you're buying on your computer, do you have a preference to say, I want to see all the brands first and then maybe the seconds next?
3: Uh, we do not install the lower dollar, white box, whatever you want to call it, parts. Um, in fact, that's one of the, you know, the perks of having a good relationship with my the parts guys is when I order, you know, say NGK smart plugs and they don't have them, they're not going to, you know, drop champions in and send those over instead. You know, they know what we use. Um, there are certain parts that we don't use from NAPA. We get elsewhere. Um you know, and it's just a, a preference from over the years, and it's the same with yeah with, with the brands. You know, if we order a water pump and they don't have a a new one in a certain brand, they're not going to send us a cheap one because um, it. Too many times they they've done that. We send it back. They're like, "What's wrong? It fits." And and then you know, so mo- most of the guys know. Yeah, we have our brands that we use and nothing else.
0: John, do you believe, John Epstein, do you believe that's part of the reputation of your shop, those choices you've made?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. Um, and, you know, part of that stems from when we were at twenty-four, twenty-four, and we had a customer come in and they had an all She was, you know, three years old, 10,000 miles. In my mind, that's not right we still replaced it for free. So if you're going to do that stuff, you might as well just have the warranty, pat yourself on the back, promote it, let people know that you're going to do it. Cause it's hard to promote that. Hey, if that goes out past a warranty, we'll replace it anyway. Right. You know, you can't and charge it.
2: accordingly for it.
3: Yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh you know, the, the quality parts, uh, you know, if we were putting on the cheap stuff and cars are back every six months, that's not going to help our bottom line. You know, it's uh it's uh you know, you, Bill mentioned the you know the the cheapest it's not it's not the cheapest it's the best value is kind of what what we what we call it the best yeah. value best value yeah i use those words daily
0: hold that thought john b but john e the best value sometimes though the best value for a 12 year old car is not the major brand or is it to you
3: you know we take a very uh close look at not only the car, but the customer. And I guess it's not really a close look is we have a conversation with our customer and we know, we know what their plan is for the vehicle. And we all, you know, we know a lot of times they say, Oh, I'm going to keep this for a few weeks and then we're going to get rid of it. And then three years later, it's still, you know, and so when they say that, and they ask for the cheaper parts, then we push the conversation a little farther. You know, are you sure? Because if we put this on and it fails, and, and every, from time to time, you know, we will go with the cheaper product. Um, we'll, you know, we, you do a lesser warranty, you know, if that's what's in the best interest for the customer. But we remind them that, hey, if we, if we go cheap, we cut corners, six months down the road, you got a problem, you know, we can't stand behind it because this isn't, what we do, so yeah, we, it's a real, real good conversation with a customer has to have
0: a good staff. conversation with a customer, and then you make a decision uh, because you, you obviously want to take care of them. John B, uh, I remember you just lit up when when we talked about that. Tell me your story.
2: Um, I use the term best value on a daily basis with my clients. Um, that's what's the most important to my business and what we provide to our people. <laughs> there are some customers that are not ours. So if they don't want to do things our way and like our warranty, maybe they're not a customer for me. You know, I, I don't have to have all the customers. I have to have the right customers.
0: John B., I want to congratulate you on your part-time gig with Standard Motor Products. Thank you. Yeah, John. John's doing training for Standard out there on the West Coast. I think you've actually been as far as Texas, haven't you, John? I
2: have. I have. Yeah. I think you and I had about a two-hour conversation. I was driving across the Texas
0: plains. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one day he calls me up. He says, I have some time to kill. Let's talk. And and so I said, sure. It's great. Let's catch up. And, uh, you know, he's a world-class ASE honored technician. uh, Very, very few in the entire industry. Have uh, gotten John's allocades, and we'll 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 mention all that in his extended bio. But glad to have you here, your first time on the Academy, John B. So let's talk about service, supplier service. You know, I guess it's cool we have e-commerce and the the speed of ordering. What about the speed of getting you the product?
2: They're good. They're good. You're
0: happy with that because they're a mile away. How could you go where they could walk it to you? (laughs) I I got
2: WorldPack that delivers every 45 minutes. I've got my shop around the corner. They send a driver, a counterperson if they have to immediately. And the other, my main first call, they, you know, a couple miles away and they sometimes use Amazon for delivery and they're fast.
0: What do you mean they use Amazon for delivery?
2: they contract their delivery with other companies and last week for the first time last week i saw a guy with an
0: amazon label on his shirt bringing me apart so interesting that you brought up the word amazon um i I wasn't (laughs) i wasn't quite sure we were going to go there but maybe maybe we will let's hammer in on delivery service guys you know john you're lucky enough to have somebody that close and 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 willing to the creativity of, of of hiring out you know, I mm-hmm. can imagine Uber coming and get this part bring it to John right away i mean that that's that's going on
2: really wouldn't it be cool if we could all hire out and have positions filled on demand as we need them and not have to pay for it when we don't? For most of us, we can't do that. We hire technicians, we hire counter people, and we pay them whether we have work or not right for them, they can hire a delivery person as they need them, and if they have less deliveries for day, they send them home.
0: You know that's a that's a real clever idea and on demand. I'm sure there's a supplier out there. Oh by the way, we will have a supplier round table talking about um, the loyalty and their connections to the service professional. And I'm and I am working on that. And if anyone who's listening, who's a supplier would love to get on the show, Carm at remarkable results dot biz. OK, service guys, uh, you know, it's uh, always in the top five. It seems, uh, you know, being able to access uh, the, the part because you're working on productivities. You know, in, inside of your shop, Bill Nalu, um, uh, how do you rank service? Is how important is it? So I always, you know, me, I'm an, I'm a
1: contrarian by default. What I always. always tell, what one of the first questions, one of the first questions I answered for my for my supplier, my autoer supplier, was, you know, what do you need for service? I said, here's here's what I need. Is I need you to realize that to think of beyond the delivery of parts. I mean, in in Metro Detroit. Parts acquisition is not an issue here for us. And where there is, we've got a couple of loaner cars to bridge that gap. That's not the issue here. The issue is going forward. And you bring up the the Amazon, the big Amazon gorilla. Amazon is not a revolution. Amazon is an evolution. Amazon, the, the, the Amazon concept has been around forever and a day. It's just now showing up in, in, in a really big way in our market now. And so I I ask of my supplier to do the same thing that I ask of my customer. Just give me a second to explain the why much and the how much. And and nine times out of ten, that customer ends up understanding that we're just in a race for time here. Given enough time, they could go to school for 20 years. They could save enough money to build their own shop. They could take enough time to fix their own car. But what they're not going to be able to do is – if, again, if, if time is, a, is no, a, no issue, but unfortunately for us, time is an issue for everybody. That's the one thing you cannot purchase in life, and that is this time that we're that we're spending. And so we're in a race to provide as much value in as little time as possible. And so my supplier understands the way I understand and the way I advise it to my customer, and that is that we are, in, 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 in specifically in the case of this conversation here, is. You are a pro- program provider. You're going to provide me with the. I can't spend enough time learning about all the things that are out there in terms of you know whether it's digital vehicle inspections or whether it's uh, you know uh, the websites and and uh, you know SEO and what have you. But you know who can afford it? The the one who's got three four hundred shops that they're providing service to every single day. They see a much broader picture of where we are, and they can be a much more valuable to me if they can show me what this relationship is worth beyond the part and the warranty of this part.
0: Does that make sense? It, it does. And, and I do I do want to go there. I, I want to go to the if you will, that extended level of support. And let's let's not forget to talk about that. But let me let me just stay for one more minute on service or as long as you guys want to talk about it. My experience always said this, um, the call came in or the order came in via e-commerce. You look at that ticket, uh, it's for uh, pads and rotors and, you know, maybe calipers and seals, who knows, but it's a, it's a fairly decent order. It's one of those high on-demand orders that you know that the car's probably on the rack, but it could be or- being ordered for tomorrow. But no one wants to tell the supplier, hey, I don't need that in a hot shot environment. I don't need that in a 45 yeah. or a half hour. And the supplier, <clears throat> pardon? Yeah, we do. Yeah.
1: I you do. do. If I need it for tomorrow, I'll um, bring it tomorrow. Listen, listen,
0: you guys are at the top of your craft, and maybe some of the people who are listening will learn from this. And that is this conversation that needs to happen. I'm the shop owner, you guys are the supplier. Hey, when I need an emergency, I expect you to help me. I don't care if it's 10 minutes, drop everything, take take someone from the back room and send them. Uh, if I have a non-delivery status, I expect your normal 20 half-hour turnaround. But if it's for tomorrow... I want to give you a break. I don't need you to, you know, jump through hoops to help me, and I and I think suppliers want that in, in a in a very big way. And you guys do that, but there's a lot of people that don't. Let me make a comment
2: on that. I have one supplier who I'm not using so much that does give me that twenty thirty minute turnaround, even when I tell them I don't need it until tomorrow, because they're trying to earn more of my
0: business. Yeah. And that's so, fabulous. And that's just so great to know that they're, they're able to say, Hey, we're on our way. We go by John's all the time. Boom, mm. boom, boom. You know, he gives us 10, 20,000 a month. John is like a son <laughs> and there's nothing you wouldn't do for family, right?
3: Yeah. On, on that, you know, we do the same thing. If, if it's not in a big rush, we let our, you know our our providers know and you know I think one thing that um, should be done a little more is sitting down with your supplier and going over not only what your wants and needs are but what the wants and needs are of the supplier because if you're willing to give a little you know to the supplier kind of like you know just like you said you say hey we're not in a big hurry this you know we can get this tomorrow that's fine Um, You know, those are some important things. And as we know, you know, sometimes, yeah, we're in a hurry. Well, it's the same with the parts guys, you know, if, if, if maybe they've got, you know, five other deliveries that have to go and if they can put it off for an hour, that's a big help to them.
0: Okay. I I have a question for all of you and I'm, I'm going to give every one of you a chance to answer. How important is trust?
2: Way up there. Yeah. (laughs) Way
1: up there.
0: Okay, John. Uh, Is it, is it your number one uh, concern? Why
1: Because once it's lost, how do you get it back?
0: Mm-hmm. and once, how and how do they lose it? How do you lose it
1: uh, I'll give you an example I'll give you an example so one in another lifetime, there was another supply that goes unmentioned that was reboxing an unmentioned product in a box, and we found that product that they said they had gotten rid of and they reboxed it.
0: Okay yeah that uh, how do
1: you? How do you recover from that, right?
0: All I had to do is tell the I truth. I got another one for
1: you. Go ahead, yeah. John. Many, many, many
2: years ago, another unnamed brand name. Uh, they had one counterperson who never called me when they didn't have the part and there was going to be a delay. And, uh, you know, one time, two times, that's fine. But when it's 10 or 15 or 20, the trust has gone forever and I stopped calling them for parts.
0: Wow. And, and that's how you lose trust. Uh, John, you've been doing business with, the uh, Napa John E for years. Anyone ever um, take advantage of that trust?
3: Um, every once in a while, you'll, you'll run into somebody. Um, probably my most memorable thought was way back when I was very small, and I. It's kind of funny. I saw a bill, my statement from Napa, that was fifteen hundred dollars for the month, and I remember that was a long time ago. And I had ordered a uh, uh, a crank seal. part. And actually I'd ordered a whole bunch of parts. They sent me the the wrong crank seal. So I called back and I said, Hey, I I need this crank seal. It's five o'clock. This job's got to go tonight. And the guy said, it's not worth it to us to take you that $5 seal. Hmm. And you know, a lot of things ran through my mind. I asked for the manager for some reason they brought me that seal. And it's funny how that $5 seal Almost lost Napa twenty five thousand dollar a month account.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that five dollar seal isn't you know, it's not a five dollar seal if you look at the big picture.
0: But at the time so, you were buying fifteen hundred. Yeah. And at the time that was how many years ago? Twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, that was a big account back then. Actually, yeah. At least, at least you were a you were a medium account because a big account twenty years ago was maybe five or six grand. (laughs) Because the guy was splitting his business between three suppliers, and you know, to get fifteen hundred, and you knew the guy had three or four bays. It's not hard as a supplier to do the math and realize the potential that you have. Yeah, Let me just say one thing, guys. I had a story with a customer. Talk
1: about suppliers. Because we're suppliers. Hello, right? Mm-hmm. We had a customer of ours that was a, was a didn't know him. He came in for a tire repair. Came in and, and uh, had some business to do at the bank next door to us. Came in and he said, how long will it take to do a, a tire repair? I said, 15 minutes. I'll have it done within 15 minutes. We went next door, came back within 10 minutes, and uh, we had the tire repair done. Fast forward a few years of us doing business together. And we we're having lunch, and he said to me, I just want you to know that I had just left a competitor of yours, a national competitor, and I came to you to give you a shot. And he said, I just want you to know how critical service was to me. If I had come back and that vehicle wasn't in the shop within 10 minutes, I was ready to pull it out. That account was three quarters of a million dollars of business Mm -hmm. during the course of the time that the company was around and they they were Mm -hmm. bought up. But three quarters of a million dollars, is what that tire repair, what that my word was to him. That's how critical that was. Absolutely.
0: Great, great story. Um, Bill, you brought up just a a few bits ago that it goes beyond product, price, people, service. Uh, You've always said to me, Carm, yesterday's parts houses, they're all but dead. Talk to me about that.
1: The program itself has to center around the same program that you're building for your customers. I don't, I, I just clearly, I don't see a difference between that. The, 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 the suppliers that are going to be around want to train, want to educate their customer base the way we want to educate our customer base around value. And that's, that's the one thing that I, I the first thing I said to to Gates, in fact, you know, I don't know if you know Todd Hack. I think, you're do. oh, yeah, yeah. And so, so Todd was, was there. And, and the first person I went to, and I, I said to Todd, I said, Todd, I just want you, I want to thank you for being the kind of supplier that is OEM worthy and that is that is top tier worthy and as long as we have suppliers like that it's always going to those kinds of suppliers because they understand the value of that brand this is a, a brand that's over 100 years old they understand how how precipitous that decline is when you fail your your, your customer and and how quickly Kodak becomes irrelevant. How quickly blockbuster becomes blockbusted, and uh, and so I thank God for suppliers like that. And I want to I want to celebrate I, as an industry. We need to keep uh, keep supporting top tier suppliers like that. If if we're going to elevate the level of our our industry as as
0: service providers. Wow, pretty pretty uh, pretty strong. I love that. I love what you said. We we've got to embrace the people that are taking care of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: You know i'm fortunate to work with Napa um, and they do an amazing job of working with the shops to improve the shops um, you know whether it's uh you know offering products and services that help us to you know be on the cutting edge you know the business development groups they put together where we you know everybody gets together and they work together um, they're always um, putting the shops kind of at the front trying to work with them, teach them, they offer training. I mean, I can go on and on and on all day long. Um, they've done an amazing job of recognizing that the more successful we are, the more successful they are. And so they put a lot of time and effort and money into making sure that we have those tools available so that we can become
0: better. By the way, so is this company right here. Um, that was what what I was impressed with when I when uh, we, we started to work together. And I um, their local rep has a breakfast meeting once a month, and all, all of his customers are invited to it, and I've been invited to it. So I, I hang out with guys like you and listen to them talk about their... And it's, it's nothing to do with engines or transmissions. It's all to do with making them more successful. Can we get a speaker? What's going on? Let's share share ideas. Pretty darn impressed with that. And of course, NAPA is, is so much like that. They do care to go way beyond... And Bill, you mentioned the word training and and i guess what i want to know from you guys and john my god you're a you're a trainer for for standard motor products you know there there's there's quality service training there's quality business management training are are we getting are, is the industry the service professional getting enough of that through the supplier channel
1: i think they're getting it i think they're um they're slowly but surely understanding that uh technical training automotive technical training doesn't just have to be in the back room, that, uh, that you can have the greatest technicians in the world. And if, if that is not translated, if that hieroglyphic technical talk isn't translated in, in everyday verbiage to a customer uh, in plain English, then it's all lost anyway. And so my, my subjective way of looking at this and my appeal to out-of-value bumper-to-bumper is that we're, going forward, I expect us to do a lot more of of shop owner service writer related training, uh, that is that is the holy grail on which yes. we are going to be able to continue to be the bridge between the Jaspers and the you know and the Gateses of the world to our customers because otherwise we get like like Bob Greenwood says we're going to be commoditized into oblivion to, into into irrelevancy.
0: Not to not to take uh, the, the Guru Garages out. I mean, as far as what they're doing, uh, you know, in yeah, investing they in great training, they're they're doing a great job, and Absolutely. and that's a link through the distribution network. Am I right? Where you're you're going there through and via your suppliers, John? When when you think about what you're doing now for Standard uh, in, in bringing technical training to the industry, and you're out. Uh, in in front of a class, talking to service professionals, technicians, business owners. Do you have a sense and a feel for that extended value through the supply chain?
2: I see the extended value for it. I also see the people who are attending the classes are the ones who need to, lead to be there, at least need to be there. Right. Unfortunately, uh, the people that are there are the ones that want to improve themselves, want to be better in the industry. So they come out and they learn more and more and more. Now, the nice thing is that I'm working with people who want to be there. You know, it's not like, you know, a high school student thrown into shop because they don't have any other place to go.
0: What an incredible discussion. And so let me share with you my feelings as of this point. Bill, you brought up the word Amazon before and you said it's an evolution that's going to happen. No surprise. It's it's here. It's there. There isn't anything we won't be able to buy someday. So with all these fabulous things said uh, in, in in really saying, here's what our supplier means to us. Here's what our supplier does. A great message going out for all the things we value. Are we still going to pick up the computer and go out and buy a product because it's $10 cheaper and I can get it in two hours? Are we going to do that as an industry because I believe Amazon's banking on that
1: i I suppose the day that that happens is going to be the day that I can walk in with my Budweiser into a restaurant and I'll bring my organic tomatoes and then I'll bring my own steak from, you know cattle yeah, that I but now bill right? it's
0: it's not about the person bringing you the parts they bought on Amazon it's about you going away from the supply channel that has that you have for years and buying uh a product and saying yeah thank you so much AutoWares, for all the things you do but i just gave amazon a thousand dollars this month sure i mean yeah. it, it, what, what's going on guys i mean t- talk to me you guys are leaders in our industry talk to me on how you see that i'm not going to use amazon unless i can't find it anywhere else there have
2: been a few things i had to go to ebay or amazon for two or three times a year I firmly believe in supporting local business and taking care of the people in my community. It's part of the brand that I'm trying to build.
0: John, do you think you can make more money by buying from Amazon? No. I have a, a matrix that
2: I put on my parts and it is what it is. So if I buy it cheaper, I sell it cheaper. Yeah. Frankly, I'd rather buy a more expensive part. I mean, if yeah. you want to talk about margins, I'm going no to money make on-
0: more gross margin dollars, aren't you? And uh, mm-hmm. unless you've got a crazy matrix that says, oh, I bought it for so much less and I could actually really bump my margin up. And is that, guys, a, a, just a false way to sit back and say you made money playing with all that, uh, that gap? Or is that just real, real, honest to God, really big dollars? If I could buy the identical part from, a, from an e-com supplier, um, why not?
2: I'm not looking to get greedy. I don't want to get yeah. rich. I want to be able to have a comfortable life and sustain my business. Um, a model, this may be a little off topic, yeah. but one business model I'm considering is selling parts at
1: cost and making all my margins on labor. Yeah. That way nobody can yeah. shop me anymore. Yeah, so so what john john's talking about is business model transformation so well, let's give up our margin on parts and and just make it up on labor so maybe we charge 200 250 bucks an hour the the fact of the matter is amazon is a is a disruptor but the the, the so this is let me tell you where where amazon can potentially be a game changer for this industry in, in the following way here, what if Amazon were to become a network provider, would become the, the, the highest level of referrals in the industry, okay? So, RepairPal is a, a top-quality referral So I, I, I'm a proud uh, customer of RepairPal. They send us customers who are asking questions about price, and if you don't answer those questions without answering the question, right?, uh, there's there's a tactfulness to being able to answer to this customer, to say to them, would it interest you to know that you may be headed in a more expensive route? Can I offer you a cheaper way here? Rather than you diagnosing this body control module here, let me ask you a question. Can you tell me what this body control module does? Oh, you don't know? Why are you headed this way? Why do you want to spend more money than you need to, right? If we don't handle this business at the counter this way, then we're just going to have people hang up and be frustrated at this commoditization of price, 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 part, part, part. And nobody's asking about, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't fit?
0: Mm-hmm. Right? So, Bill, you're saying that you'll take the referral, but you'll give up 20%? Uh, not,
1: so this is, this is sort of what, where I think it could be headed. If they elevate the industry, if the Amazons of the world and the, and the like, elevate the industry and say, we're only going to accept ASC Blue Seal Shops, And we're going to provide lifetime warranties on our parts and labor. Do you think we could charge 250 bucks an hour on labor and And forget about that? Right. And more. Yeah, sure. So, so this is what I'm talking, this is a possibility. Do I think they're going to do it? I don't think so because I think everybody's still chasing price. And here's, here's my answer to that is if I offered you a part for free as a supplier and it's the pieces, it's the biggest piece of junk ball joint in the industry and there's a 50% failure rate on this part. Would you accept this thing for free? No, you wouldn't. Not you wouldn't. Chance. So if I couldn't offer it for free, if you wouldn't take it for free, what does that say about the value proposition? Where does price rightfully fit in this value totem pole? Right at the very bottom. Let's stop being part of this lie, this myth. It's a downright lie yeah. to allow a customer to sort of take on this moral high ground that why are you overcharging me for this part? I'm not charging you for a part. I'm charging you for an installed warranty
0: part. This whole value proposition, Bill, um, we've covered some incredible grounds here. Um, Would you guys ever let's go around the room. Would you guys ever change away from your current supplier? And, um, and if not, why?
3: So for, for me, uh, the only way I'm going to change my supplier is if they can't meet my needs um and you know at the end of the day whoever your supplier is you're always going to go through rough patches you know it's kind of like being married you know you have your rough patches you work on it you stay together it's the same with the supplier one of my techs hates napa he's always hated napa and i tell him you know if we were with somebody else you would hate whoever that was because you see you know they have parts that go bad they you know they lose a driver you know, they're training people, things happen. Um, the, the best part of being with somebody for a long period of time is when you have those problems, you pick up the phone, you say, Hey, your delivery times stink. What are we going to do about it? They make a change, you know, but if they stink, they stink. You talk, they still stink. Then you're going to, yeah, you're absolutely going to have to make a change. And sometimes you quit buying from them for a couple of days. They get the picture, they make a change, Things get back to normal, so um, for me, it would take a really crazy scenario for me to make a change and
0: long term issues but 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 importantly to you, John, is that they 're listening they 're communicating they 're responding
3: yeah, communication is huge you know if you know it 's the same with us. if we tell a customer the car's going to be done at three, they show up at three it 's not done they 're going to want to know why we didn 't call them it 's the same with the part. Mm-hmm. You know, if we order a part, we're expecting an hour. It doesn't show up. We didn't get that phone call. You know, there's a problem. So yes, communication is huge.
0: Thank you for that, John. Bill. You
1: know, never say never, right? Uh, but I don't see any possibility of that. Uh, I don't know how many suppliers will. Ha- I don't know how many suppliers I could find where I could call the CEO and the founder of the company. They're in my cell phone, and not because Bill is this big mouth and is on this dealer advisory council. This is the kind of supplier that I have.
0: He tours. He goes out
1: to lunch with, with shop owners. And uh, what more can you ask
0: for from a, a That's WD? you, though, Bill. That you, you want that relationship. And, and and I guess let me encourage to the rest of the world, to the rest of the service professionals, you want that relationship because it's just like the story of fixing the tire. You've got to have that relationship because you never know where it's going to go someday.
1: They get it. That's all I can tell you. They get it.
0: Good for you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to give you the last word, John B. I'm with John that um, I'm going to change a
2: supplier if they no longer suit my needs. Kind of like changing friends. If you're friends with somebody for 30 years and all of a sudden you go completely different ways, you're just not friends anymore. Same thing with a supplier. If the supplier is not going to bring me what I need, uh, how can I use him?
0: Guys, uh, this was, um, as all academies seem to be, they, they find a life of their own. You guys brought incredible wisdom and insights to us. It's Town Hall Academy 35. We'll have it all repurposed out there by next Wednesday. Hey, thank you all so much for being here for Supplier Loyalty, the Service Professional's Perspective. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...